Hey, welcome back to the channel. My name is Seam Lund, and uh, in this video we're going to talk about is the one meal day healthy? And I saw this video from uh, the doctor's TV show, and they were talking about the OMAD diet, which is uh, one meal a day. And uh, yeah, the discussion is like, is it healthy? Uh, what, what is the other implications you may have to be aware of, and that sort of thing. So I'm just going to basically react to it and give my little bit of like analysis and my own thoughts about it. This is madness! This episode is brought to you by the Metabolic Autology Masterclass. It's the most comprehensive and in-depth program about applying the benefits of intermittent fasting and metabolic flexibility for both longevity and body composition. You get access to over 13 hours of video content about the science of autology as well as a four-week meal plan and workout routine with precise macros and food recommendations. Head over to seamlund.com forward slash masterclass in one word and use the code POD20 for a sweet 20% discount. Just one meal a day be a weight loss magic bullet? Take a look. You've probably heard about the trendy intermittent fasting diet, but the OMAD diet tips the scales on this concept. OMAD is short for one meal a day, and that's essentially all you have to do on this plan. A number of celebrities have reportedly tried this diet, including Channing Tatum, Jennifer Aniston, Brooke Shields, and Chris Pratt. And while eating just one meal a day may sound unappealing, people still want a taste of this diet's apparent benefits. Hi, my name is Amanda. I'm 31 years old. I went from 400 pounds to 198 pounds in 20 months using the OMAD diet. That's, uh, that's quite uh, crazy to uh, lose, how much was it, like uh, 200 pounds in 10 months. That's a huge, huge weight loss, like, uh, like most people... It takes years for them to uh, reach that sort of a uh, result, and uh, she did it, you know, in only what was it, uh, ten months or, uh, or tw twelve months or so, and uh, yeah, in twenty months. Sorry. So yeah, it's a pretty remarkable uh, weight loss result. OMAD diet. OMAD worked for me because I'm a volume eater. I like to eat large quantities at one time. I got really serious about losing weight when I was diagnosed with uterine cancer and I was told that my weight was a factor. I was 387 pounds at the time. I introduced the intermittent fasting starting with just the simple 13 hours, 14 hours. Could I go 15? How about 16? And then I slowly just worked my way up to, I do about 22 and a half to 20. <laughs> So it's a, yeah, you usually people start off, like I wouldn't recommend people to yeah, start off with the WOMAD diet immediately because it's uh, pretty hard or it's, if you're not used to it, then uh, you're going to at least have a harder time doing it and your potential for like uh, rebounding and uh, quitting is much higher compared to something if you start off with the, you know, 14 hour, 15 hour, 16 hour window, then you build up your body's, let's say, ability to tolerate the fast and it's also gets easier kind of the longer you do it. So uh, a more transitional uh, phase would be, let's say, it's going to give you more results or more sustainable results in the long term. Asking a day now. So one of my meals for OMAD would consist of four to five separate plates of food, lean protein, two vegetables, dessert, uh, oatmeal with peanut butter. Then I would have what I would call my snack chips, popcorn pretzels, snack mix, and then chicken, zucchini and potatoes, turkey meat with like taco shells, salsa. And I would eat all of that within my hour. I so it's, uh, she described a lot of like food, uh, talking like it and it kind of makes people think that oh my god that's such a massive amount of food like how can you actually eat it uh, so it's not actually like you, you know she describes all these different foods but the reality is that probably uh, the quantities of each of those foods is still uh, relatively small because you know you need to if you want to lose weight then you need to be in a calorie deficit and uh, you, you can't let's say or you can't you know eat as many calories as you want within that one meal a day and still lose weight so there's need to be some sort of a calorie deficit occurring somewhere and she just you know fits in all those foods different foods that she likes you know she mentioned uh, these uh, uh, proteins salads vegetables uh, peanut butter uh, cake pretzels 
popcorn, whatever it is, it kind of fits in or these different foods that she likes. And, uh, you know, that's what helps her to kind of stick to the diet and not, let's say, feel like she's dieting or starving. And that's one of the better, one of the reasons why some people may want to do the OMAD diet, that uh, they just get to enjoy, like she said, like a larger quantity of food without feeling that you're starving and uh, without feeling that you're restricting yourself. Uh, while at the same time being able to still have like some of those foods. Uh, she had like a, one of the first pictures uh, where she showed, uh, there we go, like, this is probably one of her meals. So it's not, you know, as you can see, it's not a huge, uh, massive quantity of food. Like, yeah, it's more than one meal. You know, it does have like three plates, four plates, but it's not, I don't know, like a binge fest or something. Like most people, if they're watching TV, they'll probably eat this, uh, they'll probably eat this uh, bowl of popcorn and chips without even thinking about it. Like they don't even recognize that they ate such a large quantity of uh, chips. And uh, usually this is like a regular meal and some protein here. So yeah, it's like, a, she, I think she said that she had like 1700 calories or so, um, which kind of adds up, uh, which kind of makes sense in the sense for, for this uh, quantity of food. So most people tend to overestimate how many calories they're actually eating. And uh, that's why, or underestimate, sorry. So they think they're eating less calories where in reality they're actually having more calories just because they don't really weigh the food and they don't quantify that much. So like you don't need to quantify your food uh, you don't need to weigh your food, but you do need to be in still in a calorie deficit. So OMAD is like just putting it on autopilot. You're, uh, you're not thinking about uh, weighing the food. You're not thinking about specifically how many specific macros or something you're eating. Uh, but you're still able to, let's say, achieve a calorie deficit. I would talk to a doctor before starting because fasting for 23 hours is, uh, that's pretty extreme. You know, it isn't for everybody. Well, here to weigh in on our one meal a day diet debate, we've got the A-team. We have holistic cardiologist, Dr. Joel Kahn, celebrity trainer and host of the Jorge Cruz podcast, Jorge Cruz, and the intermittent fasting expert and kidney specialist, Dr. Jason Fung. So let's start off with you, Jorge. We just heard from Amanda, that tape piece, amazing. I mean, you can't deny the before and after pictures. She lost nearly 200 pounds on the OMAD diet, but she eats more than 1,700 calories at any one time. What is your take on that? Well, you know, I really feel I have no issue. It really doesn't because it mimics what we call paleolithic nutrition. It's how our ancestors ate uh, really up until the 1930s almost. And I really feel uh, it's powerful. I just turned 50. And for anyone, say over 50, it's... So, uh, yeah, intermittent fasting itself can be considered something of a, like a hunter-gatherer-esque uh, way of eating. But uh, not precisely because uh, like the hunter-gatherers and uh, foragers, they don't have some specific eating window like they eat whatever they can uh, and they do it randomly so for them it's actually it's actually less hunter-gatherer than uh, some random eating and because a hunter-gatherer they would eat like on one day they would have maybe two meals on another day they would fast completely the third day they're eating one meal a day uh, on the fourth day they may be having like five meals so it kind of very very variable and very uh, fluctuating all the time, the hunter-gatherer way of eating. So the intermittent fasting where you eat, okay, I'm going to break my fast at 12, <laughs> I'm going to eat my last meal at 6 p.m. or something, that's not the hunter-gatherer way of eating, actually. You, you do experience some aspects or the, some of the metabolic effects, such as, you know, deeper ketosis and the fat adaptation and some of the other pathways that get turned on from the fasting, but it's not the eating window itself or the habit of doing intermittent fasting isn't like a hunter-gatherer uh, way of doing it. It's more of like a biohacker's way of doing it because if you are doing something, you're confining your eating windows deliberately to achieve a particular goal or to kind of mimic some aspects of calorie restriction without needing to, let's say, restrict your calories and to turn on, let's say, some other processes inside the body. So it's more of like an actual modern thing to be uh, 
you know, I would consider it more of like a, a biohacking thing rather than a hunter-gatherer thing because, yeah, the hunter-gatherer, they would eat very randomly. They wouldn't do like a specific uh, eating window <laughs> to do uh, one meal a day or something. The only diet that will extend lifespan has been shown that through the cellular regeneration process is called autophagy. So those way well, uh, like, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that the one meal a day is going to extend your lifespan because there's no, no proof to that. There's no evidence to show or no studies to show that that uh, inter even intermittent fasting uh, may not, uh, there hasn't been shown to extend lifespan um, specifically. Like the only way has been shown to do that is a calorie restriction. So eating less calories. And uh, that is uh, one of the only ways we know expands longevity and uh, lifespan in other species. So it's just that the uh, intermittent fasting may mimic some effects of uh, calorie restriction by like activating same metabolic pathways inside the body by also reducing the free radical damage improving insulin sensitivity, turning on other anti-aging pathways and that, that sort of thing. So um, I wouldn't say that the OMAD, like the one meal a day diet could help with your longevity and anti-aging, but it uh, may not either at the same time, if you, let's say, mess it up or something. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, very, uh, and the autophagy process itself as well. Uh, I would, uh, I would imagine that the uh, one meal a day diet would uh, turn on autophagy because uh, even as little as 16 hours of fasting can do it, or even like, you know, exercise can do it as well so uh i wouldn't i wouldn't think that the one meal a day diet uh, is any different in terms of leading to an increase in this basal autophagy whether or not basal autophagy is going to help with longevity and anti-aging uh, is like a different question <laughs> like uh it's a we would need more let's say evidence to de to def definite definitely uh prove it so to say it's just it's just that the hints are there <laughs> at least we have some we have some reasons to think that it may do so but it's not uh proven yet Beyond weight loss. so let's go to dr khan dr khan why do you take issue with this yeah i'm really glad that this young woman had such a success at this i think i could have suggested a more healthful diet and gotten the same result but i would call this more a bullet than a magic bullet diet you know recently in san francisco they did a randomized study of just not eating 16 hours a day there was essentially no difference from the three meal a day group and it was more lean mass loss you don't want to lose your muscle um well, I do agree that um, if, if all the calories are created equal, then it doesn't matter whether you eat one meal a day or three meals a day, you're going to still lose approximately the same amount of weight. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like I said, the calorie deficit is the most important thing. Uh, it's just that, uh, yeah, like some people prefer to do it in one meal or two meals. It doesn't matter, three meals uh, or six meals. So, uh, yeah, it's individual variants. Uh, in terms of the muscle loss, then uh, that is also, let's say, very depending on the actual diet, what you're consuming. So... I don't want to take it off topic basically but you know i myself i'm also doing one meal a day and i haven't lost any muscle like actually build muscle <laughs> quite easily uh you know this is my, when i first started into fasting like like yeah six years ago or something uh and this is me now so i haven't lo lost muscle i've gained muscle quite a lot i've gotten stronger i'm fitter i'm yeah better than ever before in terms of that and uh, yeah there it's it's you know it's not inherently superior to other ways of eating uh, in terms of muscle growth but it's uh, still possible to do it and one of the key factors uh, to that to preserve muscle mass and to not lose muscle or to build muscle is protein intake so if you are doing one meal a day with a low protein diet then you are probably going to lose muscle and um, yeah it's going to be harder for you to actually like get stronger or fitter because of that there are studies where they show that uh, eating your entire days of protein in one meal doesn't reduce muscle catabolism and it doesn't uh, decrease the absorption of the protein so as long as you're still getting enough protein and i would um, i would say that the higher slightly higher protein intake on one meal a day is uh, better because of um, you need this uh, higher like higher amounts of amino acids to be stored in your like um, uh, amino acid pool in the short term so that you would uh, pull upon it when you are fasting so uh, yeah like a low protein diet 
is probably like not going to be inducive of that and is going to lead to some muscle loss. And that is why like most people who are you know, new to this, who aren't uh, experienced dieters, who aren't into fitness and uh, they're just eating whatever they want, then yeah, they, they tend to gravitate towards this uh, low protein intake. And uh, that's, you know, even a low protein diet, even without intermittent fasting would probably also lead to um, weight loss as well as a muscle loss if they're in a calorie deficit because of protein, uh, protein restriction. So protein is uh, the one only thing that is going to help you to preserve muscle tissue uh, because your you know, muscle is made of protein and you do need to consume it on a regular basis to uh, maintain your muscle tissue. Awesome, I love protein. Institutes of Health in 2007 published studies on the OMAD diet. Mark Matson, senior brain researcher. What did they report in the randomized group eating one meal a day? Higher blood pressure, higher LDL cholesterol, more insulin resistance. You want to... So, um, yeah, um, he's talking about one specific study, 2007, by Mark Matson, And I actually found the study as well that he's talking about, Mark Matson, 2007. Uh, so, a controlled trial of reduced meal frequency without calorie restriction in healthy, normal weight, middle-aged adults. So, the, in this study, they basically took... Um, one group ate three meals a day and uh, the other group ate uh, one meal a day. They lost weight, they lost their body fat, uh, but they had slightly increased blood pressure, increased LDL and HDL co cholesterol, uh, but a significant decrease in concentrations of cortisol. Uh, so this is this study and even if you look at the actual results, then the, the, one, the, the difference isn't that big. So here we have the blood pressure, systolic blood pressure, uh, the one meal a day diet had 116 plus and minus 1.9 and the three meals a day diet had 109 plus and minus 1.9 so uh, the difference is what's it seven <laughs> seven points which is uh i think it's a very small difference it's not a huge difference and it's not like a life-threatening difference i think <laughs> and the diastolic blood pressure is also 69 plus and minus 1.3 three meals 66 plus and minus 1.3 so that another not a three-point difference, a very small difference. Uh, the heart rate was slightly higher in the one meal a day, 70 versus 67. Uh, body temperature was also higher in one meal a day, 36 versus 35. The body weight was lower in the one meal a day, 65 kilograms versus 67 kilograms. So they lost weight more. And they also had lower fat mass, as you can see. Uh, 14, uh, 14 kilograms versus 16 kilograms in the three meals. And at the same time, the one meal a day diet had higher fat-free mass, which means more muscle. Uh, so they had 50 kilograms of uh, muscle versus the 49 kilograms of three meals a day. So the, the study Joel Kahn is referencing is actually refuting his previous, uh, previous claim that uh, one meal a diet is going to lead to muscle loss. So in this study, the one meal a day diet didn't lead to muscle loss. <laughs> they actually had more muscle than the three meals a day diet. So it's a very, um, again, like a very misleading uh, statement on just the optics of it. Like the, the doctor's show itself is... Like I, I don't I haven't seen many episodes of it. Uh, I don't watch uh, American television or something I've seen like a few videos on YouTube about it, but it's basically just the reality TV of uh, health uh, Health advice. I don't I think they don't even try to give you health advice. They just try to make it some sort of a sensational uh, topic and uh, just uh, stir up uh, Controversy and get views uh, by that. So they're not even trying to give a good health advice. They're just uh, making a stir <laughs> and lastly Total body water was slightly higher in the one meal of the diet than the three meals of the diet. Yeah, so generally, yeah, like the difference I think isn't that significant to consider it actual a difference. Like, yeah, I, I personally wouldn't attribute any, let's say, health uh, consequences to this. And uh, yeah, where's the cholesterol? All right, th there's the cholesterol difference. Okay, so the uh, 
blood glucose levels were 85 in the one meal of the diet and 89 in the three meals of the diet. So they had lower blood glucose on one meal of the diet. Um, what else? Uh, the cholesterol triglycerides were lower 93 versus 102 uh, on the one meal of the diet. So those are good, good things. Like, again, the difference is very small. Like, I wouldn't say that there's a huge health difference between having a blood sugar level of 85 versus 89. Both of them are good. So like, uh, under 100, the blood sugar is uh, already very good. And the triglycerides also, ideally, I would, want to hunt, I would want to have my triglycerides at, like, you know, 50 or 30. Uh, but around 100 is still acceptable and not dangerous, in my opinion. Hmm. And the cholesterol, the one meal of the diet, 216 versus 191 in the three meals of the diet. The, and the difference is, again, like very small, as you can see. 16 plus uh, 9 is 25. 25 uh, milligrams per deciliter difference in cholesterol. Now, yeah, like you can... Some people are more worried about cholesterol than others. Uh, some doctors say it's, it's a huge thing. Some others say it's not. Uh, the research is also, also not that clear about it. Um, so regardless, the 25 difference is, uh, I think it's a very small difference again. And likewise, HDL cholesterol 61 in one meal of the diet versus 56. So HDL is higher in the one meal of the diet, which is good. Like a higher HDL tends to be better because it helps to kind of clear out the uh, LDL cholesterol from the bloodstream. So that is what you would want to have slightly higher. Uh, so the three meals of the diet was worse for the HDL. And lastly, the LDL cortisol LDL cholesterol was 136 versus 113 so that is slightly a higher difference like a 23 difference but it's again like not not a super high difference and the arguably let's say the higher HDL would be like still better for that so you ha you can't really look at this one particular thing or one particular blood marker and say that this is going to be um, let's say definite or um, conclusive, like there's different biomarkers and like if your blood sugar is lower, your triglycerides lower, but your cholesterol is slightly higher, is it worse? Because it, you know, you can't look at it in uh, this uh, box, you can't look at the entire, you can't look at one blood work uh, result in a box, you have to look at the entire, entire body, entire individual and uh, what's the overall, uh, let's say health result and the total body weight. Like if you're overweight, then that's you know still worse for you than not doing OMAD or not losing weight at all. 48% body fat. There's also like a second part of this video which we'll play where... Uh, Dr. Fung, you are up. So you Dr. say Fung. eating nearly 2,000 calories in one sitting isn't that bad if someone is on the OMAD diet. So tell us more. These concerns about intermittent fasting to me seem a little, little bit, bit displaced because it's not something that we just came up with like in 2021. I mean, Dr. Kahn mentioned Mark Matson. Dr. Matson reviewed in the uh, New England Journal of Medicine in December 2019, and he had no concerns about that. In fact, and I quote here, he says, intermittent fasting improves multiple markers of cardiovascular health, including blood pressure and cholesterol. And not yeah, like uh, he mentioned the Mark Matson again, which is a famous researcher about fasting. And yeah. Uh, I have actually used uh, this uh, study as well in a lot of my videos. So uh, Mark Matson and the Cabo 2019, uh, which is a very new uh, new study, and it's a review article basically about all the existing research about fasting and calorie restriction and that sort of thing. And yeah, they do have like some uh, pretty broad, pretty interesting uh, findings from that. So I'll highlight a few of them. 
Uh, so one of the best, one of the good ones was that uh, studies in animals and humans have shown that many of the health benefits of intermittent fasting are not simply the result of reduced free radical production or weight loss. Instead, intermittent fasting elicits evolutionarily conserved adaptive cellular responses that are integrated between and within organs in a manner that improves glucose regulation, increases stress resistance, and suppresses inflammation. During fasting, cells activate pathways that enhance intrinsic defenses against oxidative and metabolic stress and those that remove or repair damaged molecules. During the feeding period, cells engage in tissue-specific processes of growth and plasticity. However, most people consume three meals a day plus snacks, so intermittent fasting does not occur. So yeah, that goes back to the um, the earlier statements that I said that um, there's more to intermittent fasting than just the weight loss and more to it than the reduction in these free radicals and uh, reduced inflammation. You also experience this higher uh, higher uh, stress resistance, higher hormesis. Act, you know, hormesis refers to this uh, ability to get stronger from a stress and uh, you know the the other pathways, longevity pathways, get also turned on when you are doing uh, intermittent fasting. And uh, you may not experience those same effects if you are doing calorie restriction. Like the intermittent fasting has some unique benefits, or at least it's going to help to mimic some of the effects of the calorie restriction uh, without necessarily having to uh, reduce as many calories, uh, although you still need to do uh, restricted calories if you want to uh, lose weight. Uh, let's see what else can we find here. And yeah, like uh, Dr. Fung also said, uh, yeah, the, basically the entire article goes into detail about all the other benefits that you uh, get from uh, intermittent fasting and this sort of... Uh, swapping between ketosis and uh, carbohydrate oxidation. Uh, one of the things that happens is you uh, increase mitochondrial biogenesis, which basically grows new mitochondria, you increase autophagy, you suppress the mTOR pathway, which is going to be relevant uh, down the line, uh, stress resistance, BDNF signaling, uh, synaptic plasticity, neurogenesis, uh, neuroplasticity, those things help with the brain health and uh, prevent neurodegeneration. Intermittent fasting improves multiple indicators of cardiovascular health in animals and humans, including blood pressure, resting heart rate, levels of high density and low density, lipoprotein, cholesterol, triglycerides, glucose and insulin, and insulin resistance. In addition, intermittent fasting reduces markers of systemic inflammation or oxidative stress that are associated with atherosclerosis. Hey, it may play a role in reversing or preventing cancer, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, multiple sclerosis, not to mention weight loss and type 2 diabetes. So we know what happens. When you don't eat, your insulin levels go down, which acts as a diuretic, you start to pee out, your blood pressure actually tends to fall. You lose salted water. And at the same time, other hormones, such as growth hormone go up, norepinephrine goes up, you activate the sympathetic nervous system, so your body is actually being flooded with energy. And that's why people can lose weight, because their metabolic rate is being maintained. You think of One of the effects is lower insulin. Um, I don't think that the insulin is the root cause of, let's say, weight loss uh, or diabetes, for that matter, even. Uh, and and I, I don't think that you need to have low insulin to lose weight. Like you could have like high insulin as well and you can still lose weight if you're in a calorie deficit. So I don't think that insulin is the devil. I don't think the carbs are the devil. Um, it's just that one of the effects of fasting is that you do see a drop in blood sugar, a drop in fasting insulin and a drop in blood pressure and all those, all those things as well. That quote who hasn't eaten, he's locked in, he's able to concentrate, he's got a lot of energy and the metabolic rate is up because that's a, a protective mechanism. When we don't have anything to eat, our body actually switches to using body fat and our blood sugar, it gives us more energy so that we can go out and hunt. After all, well, that's exactly the reason we carry body fat. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, when you are fasting, then you go into ketosis and uh, you also start to use more of your body fat for fuel. Uh, so yeah, you know, it makes sense from an evolution perspective as well to uh, not need to have, let's say, all those meals all the time if you have, let's say, body fat with you. And even like very lean people have thousands and thousands of calories with them all the time. Uh, and yeah, you know, if you're 10% body fat, then you can still survive for, uh, you know, at least months uh, or at least uh, at least one month <laughs> without eating completely. 
Uh, so yeah, it's just a matter of whether or not you're able to access that energy. Are you, is your body metabolically flexible enough for you to tap into that uh, body fat stores? A store of food calories. And if we don't have anything to eat, we access that. Well, there's no debate amongst the three of us that there are roles for fasting for more health. The details are the difference. And this isn't a fasting diet. This is fasting gorging. Fasting gorging within one hour, which has been shown in animal and human models to induce insulin resistance. Fancy term, but your liver's not functioning well in your muscles and handling blood glucose, LDL, blood pressure. It's a bad rap. Uh, so I'm not sure about uh, the earlier statement that um, causes insulin resistance, uh, the one meal a day. So... Um, you know, because you know, there's like like I said in the other many other studies, the uh, insulin resistance and diabetes actually improves uh, if you are doing fasting. Of course, there's different types of fasting, but uh, generally, one meal a diet um, is still going to see uh, you're still going to see a drop in your blood sugar and uh, better biomarkers in terms of the insulin resistance. The only caveat to that is that yeah, you you may experience some mild physiological insulin resistance or this hepatic insulin resistance. Uh, if you are uh, fasting for a longer period of time, because what essentially happens is that your body goes into ketosis and it starts to use the ketones for fuel. So muscles start to use ketones and uh, as a result of that, they become slightly insulin resistant because they're basically burning fat in ketones. So they don't need the uh, glucose and uh, they become insulin resistant so that whenever you do eat the next batch of carbohydrates or glucose when you break the fast, then that glucose will be prioritized for the brain. Uh, so the brain needs more glucose than the muscles. And uh, because of that, the muscles just say, hey, we don't need it. We got the ketones. We're, we're good. <laughs> just uh, we're, we're going to block the glucose and we become insulin resistant so that the brain can have it. I don't think it's a pathological insulin resistance because the other biomarkers of related to insulin resistance are better. Like you have still lower uh, fasting insulin, low blood sugar. And after you reintroduce the foods, then people see the um, basically re-establishment of this uh, homeostasis and they don't they aren't insulin resistant after breaking the fast it's just that during the p initial period when you are breaking the fast then you may have like this slight insulin resistance which isn't pathological you're probably not going to get it's it's not the sign of uh, that you are you know diseased or that you have this uh, diabetes or insulin resistance it's just a sign that you've been fasting and you've been in deep ketosis so the smarter idea would be to yeah like either not eat carbs when you break the fast or reintroduce the carbs slower so that your body would get uh, out of the ketosis state and uh, start using the carbs again. Quoted by Dr. Walter Longo, professor at USC, eat a high fat, high protein diet to promote cancer. It'll take you a decade. I don't want to look good till I get chemotherapy. I don't want chemotherapy. Finally, it's beautiful. To <laughs> and whether or not the high fat, high protein diet is going to induce cancer is also very controversial. It is not fully established. So like I have another video about it as well. Does protein speed up aging? And yeah, like one of the main mechanisms that protein may ac accelerate aging and accelerate cancer growth is the activation of the mTOR pathway and the IGF-1 uh, pathway. But uh, like we said, uh, like we saw also in this study, one of the things that happens during fasting is the mTOR pathway goes down and the IGF-1 levels will also go down. So if you eat once a day, then your mTOR and IGF-1 levels are very low uh, compared to eating three or six, six meals a day. Uh, so you, didn't, you even don't have to worry about that uh, because you're eating only within one hour and your mTOR is already very low. So um, from that mechanistic perspective, uh, it uh, wouldn't be a problem at all. Talk about autophagy. Ask what blood test any three of us do to actually define autophagy. Unknown. Can't measure it. It's all woo. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I do agree that there isn't a blood test or there isn't a specific way to measure autophagy and it can be a lot of uh, confusing and it can be also very vague. So people say the autophagy, autophagy that, uh, but they don't know how to you actually yeah, like find it or pinpoint it. Although there are some you know uh, animal studies uh, that show that 
specifically measuring the amount of autophagy zones and uh, helps to assess the autophagy process and they can link it to, let's say, better health and uh, better uh, longevity. But in humans, it's uh, very impractical and it's not uh, done yet. But, you know, some, some indications of autophagy would be some aspects of ketosis and uh, what goes when the mTOR goes down, the autophagy goes up. So if you're doing one meal a day, then your mTOR is low, your IGF-1 is low, then your autophagy will be naturally higher compared to eating uh, three to six meals a day. Uh, so we do know at least one of the pathways and some of the characteristics of autophagy that may uh, go along with it, which would be like low insulin, low IGF-1, low mTOR, higher ketosis, uh, higher AMPK activation, and uh, higher this uh, fat burning state. Got it. Dr. Khan, uh, I'm just curious, what, what's your thought on how our ancestors ate, though? Because you go back a million years or 100,000 years, they weren't eating, they were eating meat, a meat-based diet, and they would eat once a day if they were lucky. They had to hunt it up. I took my smartphone and Google those questions and realized I'm not an ancestral eater <laughs> because I'm living with Wi-Fi and stress and microbes that didn't exist. I think it's a fallacy to say pattern after people that have an average lifespan of 35 years. You want to look good and live long. I'm 11 years older than you. I so I, I agree that uh, I think we shouldn't glorify the hunter-gatherer way of eating because of... Uh, yeah, the conditions are different, we live in a different environment, uh, our requirements are different, and the foods are also very different. We, uh, we don't have access to the same quality foods we had in the past, and uh, yeah, even then, uh, yeah, like, ha like it's good to have like some heuristics, uh, or some at least, you, the evolu evolutionary argument can be good to gain some insight into, yeah, like what kind of a diet we uh, may want to gravitate towards, but at the same time, yeah, like uh, what the uh, hunter-gatherers in the past, or what our ancestors ate, it may not be the best thing for longevity or anti-aging and it may not be the best thing for whatever kind of um, purpose. So we still have to keep in mind what, does the, what is the main purpose of the person and what are they trying to accomplish. So if they are trying to lose weight, what kind of a diet is better for that? If they are trying to promote longevity, what kind of a diet is good for that? And what kind of a diet is good for, let's say, cardiovascular disease prevention? It may be, those diets may, may all be very different from each other want to look good in the blog, but I'm going to do it in a way consistent with the literature. Can we learn from our ancestors? Of course. I would go to the Daniel fast in the book of Daniel and eating waters and pulses produce good results. It's actually been studied at the University of Memphis in Tennessee and actually does produce good results. There we go. So uh, yeah, there's the video. There's my arguments. In conclusion, I would say that uh, saying that one minute diet is unhealthy isn't you know actually true because there's a lot of research about not per se like one minute diet, although the uh, the, this study, the 2007 study, saw that the one meal diet was, you know, still relatively healthy for you. They lost weight, uh, they gained, they maintained muscle, uh, and they had like slightly higher blood pressure and cholesterol, but it's not like significant difference. They had lower blood sugar, they had lower triglycerides, and the other, like you don't need to do one meal diet. You can do 16 and 8. You can do the timer eating when you fast for only 14 hours. You can do 20-hour fasts and eat within four hours. Whatever kind of suits for you. The most important thing is to kind of look at your blood results. Uh, look at your body composition, look at your well-being, your uh, mood, your energy levels, your sleep, uh, your fitness. Those are things, better markers to look at. And uh, yeah, some people do better on a one meal diet, some people do better on a 16 and 8 type of diet. Uh, you have to find out which one works for you. And uh, ideally, I would say that one meal diet is you know, pretty good for weight loss. It helps you to achieve a calorie deficit, but it's not inherently superior to uh, like a three meal diet. You have to know you have still have to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. And uh, if the one meal diet helps you to achieve that, then it's, it can be one of the healthiest things for you. Because, yeah, like I said, it's uh, much healthier to lose weight, even if you do it with one meal diet, than to be obese. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for this video. Uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about different types of video fasting, then you can also check out my book, Metabolic Autophagy. Uh, but other than that, thanks for watching this video. Make sure to click the like, subscribe, notification bell as well. My name is Seem. Stay optimized, stay empowered.